I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. We knew we were in for a special podcast when we have Cecil Lammy on. And follow him at Twitter, at Cecil Lammy, two N's, E-Y. And the reason it's going to be even more special is the Broncos made the first deal of free agency for them and acquiring a new number one cornerback and AJ Boye from the Jacksonville Jaguars for a fourth round pick. And that trade won't become effective until March 18th, just to make sure that's clear. So as we get started here, Cecil, what do you think of Elway acquiring his new number one cornerback? John Elway just crushing it. What an amazing move for this team because largely it avoids the cornerback market it now it had come out or there was buzz building that dallas cowboys corner byron jones would be their top target in free agency as someone let's just say in the know told me john always got a lot of money and he wants to spend it well when you get to the combine and you hear things like james bradbury is going to get 15 million a year what's byron jones going to get who is clearly the number one corner in this market so we're talking you know is that 16 is that 17 annually So be able to make this move for a draft pick, by the way, that you picked up from the 49ers for Emmanuel Sanders, and you still have the third rounder left over because you got a third and a fourth from the 49ers. Um, Thank you, John Lynch. But anyway, like to kind of swap Emmanuel Sanders basically for a corner who's younger than CHJ, who has a reasonable price. And by the way, if he doesn't perform well, he's only got $2 million in dead money in 2021. So the Denver Broncos are set up because they don't have to pay him. If you trade for Darius Slay, you got to pay him. And that, and that's another $16 million, whatever it is, $17 million. Uh, if you go out in the cornerback market and keep Chris Harris Jr., that's more than you might want to spend. Byron Jones is going to make crazy money, crazy money. Well, now you make this trade. You've got a good player secured under contract for another couple of years. I think this is a brilliant move, a master stroke, if you will, from John Elway and the Broncos. And I think also I saw that uh... – Boye's contract isn't guaranteed at all for the next two seasons. Like it's a contract, but it's not a guaranteed contract 
which is another plus for Denver because if he doesn't perform or if he has a down year, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to move on if you have to. Right, and it kind of allows the Broncos to still stay in the cornerback market. We're going to get through all of this because, you know, I've been getting a zillion questions on Twitter like you guys have, and it's like, well, they're still going to add another corner. Uh, I know that Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post is saying that, hey, it doesn't mean CHJ is done. I can hope and I can dream because I'm a guy that says CHJ should be Bronco for life and he's a future Hall of Famer and all that. Like, I love CHJ. I put my heart into it. I don't care. I'm very clear about that. So we'll see. I, I still think Chris Harris Jr. is gone, but that Boye contract is so nice and so greatly structured so that they still can go spend all the money that they've got. In terms of his production the last couple of years, because he had a great 2016 season in terms of Boye, he really balled out in the playoffs. He had a great 2017 season. And I, I believe that was the year that he was a free agent and was in the process of choosing Chicago or Jacksonville. And obviously, anytime a Florida team is in the running, they're probably going to win since they don't have state income tax. But the last couple of seasons, he hasn't really lived up. He hasn't, he hasn't played as well as he did in 2016, for example. Right. Is that a part of the the decline of Jacksonville and being on the opposite of Jalen Ramsey, or is it what, what do you think is the product of him not being as good as he was say in 2016? Right. And the dirty little secret in the NFL is fit. It's all about fit. And Vic Fangio has liked this guy for some time, Aqib Tlaib and the no fly zone guys. You see CHJ on Twitter congratulating him. Like they love this guy and his upside and the Fangio fit is something that we need to discuss and, and, you know, kind of breaking down why Boye will be the Broncos' number one corner. And it sounds bad, so everyone ride with me here, but it's true. You don't need a shutdown corner in Fangio's system. It's zone dog. It's umbrella coverage. Basically playing an area of the field. CHJ, at his best, can take on number one receivers, and that's cool. He can step, step, for, step for step, stride for stride, greatest slot corner ever. Whatever you want to say about Chris Harris Jr., I'm right there with you. I might as well be wearing a CHJ jersey. But the bottom line is, in this system, you don't need that island guy. You don't need that shutdown corner. So Boye's fit in this system to regain confidence, to not have it all on his shoulders, to work in conjunction with Kareem Jackson, who he's done before, by the way, for four years off the top of my head. So you have this, you know, kind of bounce back, you know, necessarily fresh start. Plus it's Jacksonville. I mean, I could have started this take and just started making fun of the Jaguars and everything that they do and how screwed up they are because now they want to trade Nick Foles. That hasn't happened yet, has it? I mean, you got to check the newswire, but like it's Jacksonville. They'll screw up a, a good thing. And Boye, as someone... During the week, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I watch every game twice and I chart plays. I'm looking for down and distance and for tendencies. Um, I could make the argument that Boye played better than Ramsey. Uh, you know, and, and we could talk all and all on, on and on about Jalen Ramsey. But bottom line is, I think it's a better fit. I think it's a custom fit. And this is Fangio's fingerprints all over it. And one thing that you saw, and honestly, you've seen this whole time, but really at this combine, where it was just Vic, right? He didn't take any assistant coaches. And then the scouting staff. There was 57 people off the top of my head there for the Broncos, scouts and some TV departments in Elway and Matt Russell, et cetera. But seeing Vic Fangio and John Elway together, just the way they interact together socially, um, complete trust. Complete and utter trust. So if Fangio's like, make a run at Boye, see what you can get, Elway's responding to that, and I think that's why it's a great move. In terms of the Jacksonville Jaguars, all you know is – how they screw it up and they're the Jacksonville Jaguars is their like team motto is named after the County they play in. They just yell <laughs> Duval. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Du- put a swimming pool in their stadium and move to London in a year or two or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no swimming pools in London. I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You talk about the Fangio fit. You talk about the trust between Elway and Fangio. Did, was this something that people expected? Because I think, at least from a fan's perspective, and, and that's really the the only perspective I can bring, it, it's always felt like John Elway has had his his fingers in everything, right? In the coaching uh, staff and the things that they, even the right. things that they say and, and the way that they presented themselves under like a Vance Joseph, for example, it's always been sort of John Elway driven. And, and this is not what that feels like. This feels like he and Fangio are, 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 are partners 
and he really values Fangio's opinion and what Fangio wants to do. Is that is that a fair assessment from from my side of things? There is such a healthy amount of respect for the experience that Vic Fangio brings to the table, and we got a clue when they went on the coaching search and they stayed an extra day in Chicago because Vic Fangio might not have been at the top of the list, although it quickly changed, especially when we learned about the extra day. Like, wait a second, they're staying a day. And there have been people that were around. I've only heard stories from John about his father, God rest his soul, Jack Elway, and what an influence he was on him. But there's people that were around both uh, when Jack was alive in the late 90s and the early 2000s that have said, you know, it's kind of like that father-son relationship. Uh, even though they're similar in age, it's kind of like that, you know, uh, mentor and student, but always not a student. They're they're on the same level together. And that's what's great about that. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's a trust relationship. And it's trusting in that experience and that knowledge. They really see things eye to eye. There's a lot of mistaken uh, opinions about John Elway, you know, like, oh, the ego is so big and whatever, which is first is like, He's John Elway. He's like the greatest quarterback ever. Of course, his ego is going to be big, but that doesn't mean that he's hard to work with. That doesn't mean that he won't listen to other people. In fact, I've often said on the local airwaves, yeah, he might have listened to Mike McCoy a little bit too much when McCoy was standing on the table for Garrett Bowles. You know, and Elway also had, nah, I mean, not necessarily a, a blind spot, but he also had a, like, he really wanted Vance Joseph a couple of years ago. And then, well, okay, let's get Wade Phillips. And then when he has a chance to get Vance Joseph, he can get Vance Joseph. Okay, cool. We got Vance Joseph. Like, no, no, I got to put that away, you know, just because you liked the guy years ago and you can get him now in a different role. Like, so Elway and this Fangio connection, it's really cool to see because it is ultimate trust, ultimate faith in each other. And it's one of the reasons why I know Colin Coward said the Broncos are a number 10 team in the NFL next year. Number 10. And Coward has no connection. And speaking of mistaken opinions colin's actually a really good guy a lot of people are like he's a jerk or whatever it's like nah, he's always been nice to me and with no connections to denver listen to that perspective right because it's informed and honestly i necessarily wouldn't put him a 10 but if you wanted to put him around 15 in that top 15 who are the 15 best teams in the nfl the broncos are certainly on the rise and it comes to the fangio elway connection so i, I think the most interesting thing that you just said and all that is that there's another reason for Broncos country to hate Mike McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> as, if, yes. as if we needed more, right? As if we right. needed more. Right. Smartest guy in the room, just asking. All right. <laughs> That's a, it's like uh, uh, Phil, Phil Mickelson's uh, nickname is Fig Jam. Have you ever, you ever heard that story about Phil Mickelson? Uh, he's, he's one of those guys that uh, he just, like his nickname is Fig Jam. Fig Jam. F, I'm good. Just ask me. Like, that's just, that's just. So yep. Mike McCoy yep. and, and Phil Mickelson could hang out. Uh, all right, so the trade is, is a big deal. And I, we obviously know this is going to affect free agency. But I, I guess the question then becomes, moving forward, obviously I think you're right to mention that they're, they're going to continue to look at defensive back. Uh, a name like Prince of Mucamara sort of pops into my head there with that. But what, right. what are some other things that, that Denver is going to look to do now that they've made this trade and now that they're moving forward? We've seen the combine. We have some ideas about... Uh, what's going to happen in the draft, but what are they going to do as far as free agency? Yeah, free agency is going to be a focus on uh, the defense. They're going to buy defense and draft an offense, basically. A lot of people around down. I love the the local airwaves, by the way, because it's like, I said that first. It's like, oh, who gives a crap? Uh, you know, who said it first? It's been a suggestion out there about how they're going to attack this because we're all around the team, and we all know, like, okay, we're, they're going to draft a bunch of offense bunch of weapons, bunch of offensive linemen. Defense, defense, defense is the order of the day when it comes to free agency. So that means defensive line, Jerron Reed, Jordan Phillips, DJ Reader. These are all options. Eric Armstead, a little bit more of a pipe dream. I'm hearing that the 49ers are working hard to get something done. We'll see if that actually happens as these things can always come down to the wire. But, you know, those type of names, inside linebacker, Joe Schobert, Nick Kwiatkowski, Kwiatkowski, uh, from Chicago, who Fangio likes, kind of an under-the-radar type guy. Everyone talks about a Blake Martinez, something like that, Corey Littleton, those type of players. But they're going to get a lot of money. So Broncos aren't necessarily bargain hunting. Like last year, they had to bargain hunt, even though you know I think they vastly overpaid for Bryce Callahan, who's never been healthy, and 
just such a mistake to pick him up, in my opinion, especially now if they're going to try to play him on the outside. I don't think that'll work out well. Juwan James, we all know how that went. So they kind of had to bargain shop last year. They don't have to do that this year. They can shop at the best stores. They can shop for the best players. So if that is, you know, Blake Martinez or whatever, like, okay, the Broncos can be in on those conversations. Now, it's interesting because guys like DJ Reader, they're talking about 11 to 12 to 13 million a year. That's a lot for a guy that plays 600 snaps and is a two down run stuffer. That's really a lot of money. So it'll start with perhaps retaining a couple of their own guys, maybe just one now. Uh, maybe it is Derek Wolf on somewhat of a hometown deal. Shelby Harris is gone, in my opinion. Way too much money there. Chris Harris Jr., even though some say the door is still open, unfortunately, I think that's uh, kind of moving on. And then really attacking, I think Prince Mukamara is a great corner free agent to bring up, a Bershad Breland, somebody like that. You know, not the top tier corners, but that next tier because you can't trust Bryce Callahan, uh, you know, and, and you just can't go, oh, well, we got to go to the bench, go to the depth. Like, no. You got to be ready when Callahan is hurt because he's never played a full 16 game. So corner defensive line inside linebacker is still going to be a place where the Broncos focus uh, this offseason. I'm going to throw out two possibilities. I, I, I've thought of Akeem Hicks as a, as a potential cap hit mm-hmm. in Chicago. Yep. So he yep. could be somebody that would obviously be attractive. And then I'm going to throw out another one since Jacksonville is in the process of burning it down and, starting all over again could Calais Campbell potentially be an option yes yes on both and Calais was really close to signing with Denver last year but as you mentioned okay no state tax in Florida like oh that looks pretty attractive to those players and it makes sense right take care of your money uh, but the Broncos were super super close to getting Colorado native Calais Campbell back so I think that's great to bring up Hicks obviously they're looking for penetration on the defensive line and one thing that you know, which is kind of interesting. They like DJ Reader or would be interested in DJ Reader because he doesn't get penetration. But looking at the advanced data, and I don't believe in all analytics. I know that there are websites, very popular websites, where they just care about the clicks uh, in terms of like, we're super analytical. No, I've had people that work for those sites tell me like, yeah, if it clicks, we write it and then make up the number. Oh, okay, so don't trust you basically. But when I look at the advanced data that matters, because I'm not against analytics, I don't think that answers everything. But rushing five after Pat Mahomes doesn't do a bit of good. In fact, it's actually worse. You must get pressure with four. Okay, Miller, Chubb, cool. Draymond Jones, awesome. Where's your fourth guy? So find that fourth guy, whether it's Calais Campbell or someone like Akeem Hicks. I like that. All right. Uh, is there is there anybody on the offensive side of the ball that you would target uh, as far as free agency goes, anybody you'd spend big money on? Like I know Ian has mentioned uh, a Joe Thune on the podcast in, in the yeah. past. Is that is that a direction you would go as well? Throw money yeah. at Joe Thune. Yes. Throw all the money at Joe Thune. You got the money, you spend it. I know what Brandon Scherf was a name people were throwing around there. Uh, you know, interior offensive line is kind of more of a trouble spot than people would think. Now, I don't think people are going to like this, but I'll tell you the truth. The Broncos like Garrett Bowles more than you and I do or anybody else really listening to the show. Um, They could do – I toss this out to, again, somebody in the know, just as a suggestion to see the reaction. I kind of like doing that sometimes to people I talk to. And I tossed out the Devontae Parker deal that he got from the Dolphins. They didn't fifth-year option Devontae Parker, but they gave him a two-year extension instead that was about half of the market price. So I suggested – I was like, hey, do you think, uh, you know, Broncos might – go half and extend Garrett Bowles two years, but not fifth-year option. I mean, it wasn't shot down, so that's interesting. Uh, and the fifth-year option doesn't have to be decided on until May 3rd. So all this controversy, I, I love the faux controversy. Speaking of clicks, the Broncos have made a decision on Garrett Bowles when they're going to make a – yeah, May 3rd. It's called the deadline, stupid. Of course, that's what they're going to do. Like, they're going to wait until after the draft. All these people, like, trying to – please click this article and like us. On Facebook. Anyway, I'm just grumpy today, but it's an exciting day, and it's one where you look at it and you go, man, Denver, you do a couple things right, you're good to go. Now, besides the interior offensive line, which I think is a bigger question mark than people, well, you, you got Dalton Reisner and Littering, and there's a debate or a discussion on the coaching staff about Connor McGovern. I know some people think he's the greatest guy ever, and I've broken down the film. Hey, NFL coaches may not agree with you on that. So, you know, there's hesitation. McGovern was supposed to already be paid. 
right? When you free up the money with Joe Flacco, it was for Andy Janovich, it was for Justin Simmons, it was for Connor McGovern. Well, we're waiting. What are you waiting for? I think they're waiting perhaps to see what else they could do at the center position, even if that's a Cesar Ruiz, who they talk to at the combine, you know, pick him up in the second round, what have you. So interior offensive line, very important. I'm also going to throw out some love for Rashard Higgins. Now, it's the Browns, right? Like we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars screwing up everything. It's the Browns, same thing. Rashard Higgins, like I rewind you guys, one of the reasons why Emmanuel Sanders and I got close was because locally, not a lot of people knew who he was. But I was on ESPN Denver just ranting and raving like, this is, they got the guy, they got the guy. And I saw him at the Shrine game and because I got to talk about the Shrine game every show that I'm on, contractually obligated. But at during his four years in Pittsburgh, he didn't even have a 100-yard game. <laughs> he didn't have a 1,000-yard season. He didn't have a 100-yard game. And yet we know the type of star that Emmanuel Sanders became. I see the same potential in Rashard Higgins. And what was E's first deal with Denver? Like three years, 12 million? Yeah. And remember, he said no to Kansas City. He was in Kansas City, left a meeting with Andy Reid. Like, I got to go. Where's your bathroom at? And they left and hopped on a plane and signed with Denver. Yeah, let's get back to that, right? Well, yes. anything Richard that screws Higgins, over Kansas City. <laughs> I love it, man. And Rashard Higgins is could be that guy. You know what I mean? Like, okay, never had an opportunity. Browns, never 100-yard game. And you're going to get him super cheap. So into your offensive line, yes. And I'll always throw out some love for Rashard Higgins as a free agent wide receiver. What about running back to find the replacement that seems for Royce Freeman and to team up with Philip Lindsay? Do they go the veteran route and kick the tires on someone like a Melvin Gordon, or do they wait for the draft and say like the third or fourth round and get somebody like an AJ Dillon or somebody like that who could potentially come in and, and be that, that second uh, in the tandem with Philip Lindsay. I will say this, and this is not going to be very popular at all. So don't at me, bros. There's, there's spin going on with like, let's team them up. Really? Why in the hell are you looking at J.K. Dobbins? Because J.K. Dobbins is in the back that you team, team them up and make a committee. Like, mm, not if you draft that guy. If you draft Dylan, yeah, because Dylan can't catch. Uh, you know, we can talk about cam acres and all that, but let's talk about free agents. Cause I got a kick. Mike Cliss is a dear friend of mine. So when I say this, I'm not making fun of Cliss or whatever, but when he wrote the article, like Broncos could look at free agency for running backs, it had like Derek Henry speaking of clicks. I just wanted to click and see like, why in the hell is Derek Henry on this list? Like, <laughs> and, and by the way, Derek Henry wouldn't be here to share, let's share some time. No, he'd be here to be the, and Philip Lindsay would be the backup. Like, let's be honest. Okay. Can we be honest? Or we got to put our orange and blue colored glasses on. I'd rather be honest. I even asked the question on an article that I wrote last night. Like, why are they so interested in running backs? I started the hashtag feed Phil. I started that. I've said time and time again, why not give him a Christian McCaffrey workload just to see what happens, just to do it. Now, maybe he breaks down and that's what they're worried about. But like, they still haven't used Philip Lindsay the right way. Not at all. Royce Freeman's getting more catches. Royce Freeman's lost confidence, I think, largely because he's seen Philip Lindsay take off and become a fan favorite and do all the great things that we love and adore and appreciate Philip Lindsay for. Philip Lindsay has been good, but barely a thousand yards is not great. Again, let's talk honestly. Honestly, Philip Lindsay can be better. I want him to get the opportunity to be better. And I want to be very clear when I say this. So no one, because anytime you say anything about Phil, it's like, he's the greatest. You shut your mouth. You don't know anything. I'm like, well, I'm at the facility every day and have a cubicle there, so I don't know what I know. But still, I think Philip Lindsay can produce. And, and, and a thousand, I mean, all due respect, my man CJ Anderson, and I've been bowling since CJ left, but a thousand seven, I was so happy, right? Barely a thousand is not enough. You need 1,200, you need 1,300, you need 1,500. And I believe Philip Lindsay can be that guy. But do they believe it? And in a Shermer offense, and I asked Pat Shermer about it, hey, can Philip Lindsay be – because he's not a natural hands receiver. He just isn't. He's the greatest guy ever, and he's homegrown. He's got great hair, and everybody loves Philip Lindsay. But the God's honest truth is he fights the ball. He stabs at it when he goes to catch it, okay? He's got to stop doing that. And, oh, by the way, he can't begin to learn that or unlearn that, as Yoda would say, because of damn wrist injury now and the wrist surgery. It's not as severe as it was last year. But I want him on a jugs machine. He's got a new house out of his parents' basement. I want a jugs machine in his backyard. I want to catch 100 passes an hour. Like, all these sorts of things. To be that receiver, to be everything, to be 
Saquon Barkley-ish, if you will. And I'm not saying 91 catches, but he could catch 70. He could catch 50, something more than 35. You know, that's there for Philip Lindsay. I believe it. They're interested in running backs. They're not getting Derrick Henry. There's really not a lot out there. Some interesting, like, super cheap names, guys that are always hurt. CJ Procise is interesting to me. Uh, DeAndre Washington is interesting to me, the Texas Tech kid that was with the Raiders. Like, So there's a couple of names for agent-wise. But it was those guys that they talked to at the Combine that really got my antenna up going, well, why, what are they doing this for? Why? What is this interest about? And that's what's fascinating to me. I love Surly Cecil. <laughs> Surly Cecil. That's 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 uh. We'll we'll start a hashtag. Surly Cecil. You'll have okay. to. You'll have to sort of. You know. You'll have to own it for a while. Not forever, but just for a while. Uh, yeah, and then I start sweating. Like I, I figured out. I was like, damn it, I got to get in better shape because I start <laughs> on my show at night and I start yelling like this and I start getting emotional and then I'm like sweating. I'm out of breath. I'm like, oh my god, I'm just talking. <laughs> Everybody has that moment where they realize they need to get in shape. Mine was my uh, daughter's uh, daddy-daughter dance. It was the last one, and I put my suit on, and it, the button was a little tighter than it was supposed to be, and I thought, <laughs> oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Guess what I guess what I had at, at dinner that night? I had a salad. So Mix in a salad. Yeah, mix, just throw me a salad. How about that? See how that works out. All right, you mentioned the combine. You mentioned some interviews that they did. Obviously, they talked to different players. What What is the the biggest takeaway, I guess, from, from the Broncos being at the combine? We've talked about Fangio not taking all of the assistance. We've talked about his relationship with Elway. But looking at the players and the way that they sort of approached either their interviews or just the way that they, they looked at players in general – what, what do you think the takeaway is from that? Takeaway is primetime works for a TV audience. It doesn't work for coaches, for players, or for agents. A lot of people are pissed off. Not the NFL. Numbers were good. Obviously, it's the NFL. People can't get enough. Ratings were great. But there was a lot of dead time, a lot of downtime. So they'll keep adjusting things in Indy and just kind of keep working through. They'll probably move it from Indy after next year. There's a contract for one more year with Indy, I believe. So expected to go to LA, expected to go to Vegas, expected to probably travel around like the draft does now, which I was initially against because I love going to Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Um, and when they first moved it, it was Chicago for two years. That was okay. But then Philadelphia really took it to the next level. Then Dallas and Nashville, 600,000 people crammed downtown. So we're going to see something like that. But as far as this year's combine, it was interesting because of the schedule cl- change. I didn't quite enjoyed it as much until the drills started because they were at night. So you actually had a separation of interviews during the day, drills during the night. So instead, uh, from a coverage standpoint, you weren't, you know, interviewing Christian McCaffrey and then some, you know, tight end or something's running a 40. And so you got to report on that. And then you get Christian McCaffrey quotes. I'm complaining about covering the combine. This is what I do. But, uh, you know, I think from a scheduling purpose, from a scheduling standpoint, it worked better for the league from a TV standpoint and from a coverage standpoint, once the drills started on Thursday. Does anything change in terms of who they potentially target with the first pick in the first round at number 15? Because obviously you said earlier that they're going to buy defense draft offense, unless hopefully they sign Joe Thune, which I will continue to pound that table until March 18th. And then I'm going to get broken hearted because John Elway won't put money into the offensive line even though he didn't win a Super Bowl until Pat Bowen traded for Gary Zimmerman. Aside from that, what are they going to do with that number 15 pick? Are they going to go receiver like a Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, depending on how the first 14 picks go? What, as if anything, has changed with that first round pick? And obviously a lot will change with free agency. Right, right. I think what has changed is the fact that Ruggs might not be there. Based on his four two whatever four two seven forty, which again the combine's about dotting I's and crossing T's. I don't think um, you should ever move a player more than maybe half a round, you know, up or down. Really, if a guy has an AJ Epineza, a kid from Iowa, defensive end rusher, he's not a speed guy. So when you ran a five oh four forty, whatever it was, it's like, uh huh. <laughs> no one should be expecting to run fast, and you should have been expecting rugs to run fast. But what that does is create the hype in a John Ross sort of way. And Ross was a much better college receiver than people give him credit for because people just say, oh, John Ross, you can't play, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hey, he was Pac-12 player of the year. Now, maybe that says something about the Pac-12. That's a different conversation. But, like, John Ross was a good college receiver. 
uh, who's been bit by the injury bug. Rugs now, there's teams in front of him. Jacksonville at nine has always liked Rugs. Maybe they just go ahead and take him. Uh, and maybe Judy or Lamb are there. So it's kind of pick your poison. What I always tell people is you want the great route runner, go Judy. You want the great body control, go Lamb. You want the great speed, you go Rugs. So what do you need? Well, Broncos could use any one of those three, and all three of them would be fine. Fantastic opposite of Cortland Sutton. But Rugs is the conversation point because 15 becomes the driver's seat if four quarterbacks go in the top 12, which they should, if four offensive tackles go in the top 10, which they could, Throw in Chase Young, best player in this draft. Throw in Derek Brown, second best player in this draft. Throw in Jeff Okuda, third best player in the draft. Now all of a sudden, Isaiah Simmons is there. Oh, I mean, don't my do God. That. Don't even do that to me. Don't do that to me. Right? We always talk about Cleveland messing things up. Cleveland's going to miss out. They're going to lose Joe Schobert in free agency. And Simmons is just whatever. He's a football player. But, like, if I'm Elway, I'm at 15 and Isaiah Simmons is at 10, I'm moving up for that sort of talent. So the draft is always fluid. Uh, I guess the easy answer would be like receiver, just pick what you want. Maybe Ruggs isn't there. But I just look at 15 now and I'm like, well, wait a second. This quarterback frenzy and this tackle frenzy now and Makai Becton, magnifique, but the Broncos didn't even talk to him. So he's not necessarily on their radar, although we learned from Bradley Chubb, they don't have to talk to a guy. Um, You could see all of that influx of four offensive tackles, four quarterbacks, those three defenders I mentioned. Now all of a sudden you're in the Broncos range and all three receivers are still there. Isaiah Simmons is still there. Javon Kinlaw is still there. Denver's going to have options and they still have the draft ammo because of this A.J. Boye trade. They give up a fourth rounder. They still have five picks in the first three rounds. They've got the ammo to you know, stick and move and go up and get a Simmons. It could be another brilliant move for the Broncos uh, because of this draft capital they have. Simmons in this defense, we saw what could happen, and Adam will rave about this since he's in the Chicagoland area, but what a middle linebacker who's athletic, who's freakish, who can do everything. Mm-hmm. You know what can happen in, in Fangio's defense when he has a middle linebacker like that. Well, and I was high on I was high on Roquan Smith as well that year, so that's uh, you know, that's another one where you, you look at a guy like that. I think Simmons is I think Simmons is maybe even a better talent because, like you said, Cecil, he's a football player. And, and, and that's the kind of thing that's always been my complaint about Garrett Bowles. He's not a football player. He's just a big bully. So he doesn't understand the game. So he makes all kinds of stupid mistakes. Isaiah Simmons is a football player. You put him on the field, you ask him to play any position, he'll figure it out. Because he can play slot corner. He can, he can play slot. He can play, I think he could play quarterback if he needed to. That's you know that he's well, that kind of. He think could, of it. He'd receiver the Broncos need. Yeah, why flip, not? Flip the field. If you're a quarterback, and I said this on Broncos beat with Alexis Perry, which you can watch on DenverBroncos.com. And yes, nice plug. I, uh, that is a, a famous plug. Um, imagine if you're a quarterback and you walk to the line and you have to declare the mic. Right, you have to declare the mic so you understand blocking assignments and blah blah blah. Uh, who's the Mike? <laughs> if Isaiah Simmons is out there, is he the Mike? Is he a safety? Is he a slot corner? So just think of it from that perspective and how that screws you as an offense, because Isaiah Simmons is kind of whatever you need him to be. I, I'm, I'm all about it. I would, I would sacrifice the speed receiver for the great defensive player. And, and you still get Denzel Mims in the second round. Sure. There's still <laughs> second round receivers. Justin Jefferson's going to be there. Like you still have, speedy receivers that you can get around to well and that's the conversation when we had we had trevor sycama on the, the depth of the at wide receiver is one of those things that perhaps that allows denver to take uh to take a different approach and they, they're not forced into drafting uh whichever receiver falls to them at 15 and instead they can focus on receiver in the second round i i, I don't have a problem with that especially if it means simmons i don't i don't have a question there i just wanted to say that <laughs> yeah well and that's the thing because with tackle I know, and I've been doing this a long, long time. Doesn't mean I'm right about everything. There's plenty that I'm wrong about. Paxton Lynch, um, although I like, I just liked him better than Trevor because I couldn't stand Trevor, although Trevor is always nice to me. But anyway, I'm rambling. Point is this. This Josh Jones conversation, I was the only person in the Denver market talking about Josh Jones before the Senior Bowl. Um, I know the recruiting director there. He's actually at Rice now. Um, but you know, I, I've known Josh Jones since he went to Houston and you know, he's a second round talent. He's not in my top 50. So for all these people, and I understand and all due respect, I'm not one of those, by the way, morons, in my opinion, 
that talk smack about the national guys like, oh, Mel Kuyper, what's he know? Kuyper created the industry that I work in in terms of being a draft analyst. Uh, you know, Todd McShay, I know Todd, I consider him a, a acquaintance. I wouldn't say we're friends, but it's like, okay, both McShay and Kuyper had Josh Jones as like number 10 or number 15, Broncos. I'm like, he's not going to go there. He's not a first-round talent. So uh, I'm a card-carrying member of the Nang gang, Lucas Nang, like – you got Josh Jones. Maybe he's an end of the first round guy or whatever, but like not at 15. But if you're the Broncos, what decision do you make? Because you're not going to get a top tackle. So wait till the second round and get a, a tackle if you want. Maybe you don't. Maybe you get Simmons, which is better than getting the best wide receiver. Think about that. It's better to get Isaiah Simmons, even if you move up, than it is to draft Jerry Judy, who I think is the best receiver, although we're splitting hairs. But then you have to go to the second round. Will Denzel Mims be there? He had a great combine, but again, like half a round. Mims was at one time a third-round guy. So, okay, now he's a second-round guy. Fine, I'm going to wait for Denzel Mims. Hell, I might move up in a second to get Denzel Mims. But either way, you've got options, you've got choices, and Elway will be fluid. That means if Simmons does fall in the range of the Broncos, which he could, we've laid out that scenario, then make the move. You mentioned Rashard Higgins. One possibility, and I think it was Jeff Darlington at ESPN who reported there's like an uh, around an 80% chance that Odell Beckham gets traded from Cleveland. Is there a possibility that he could be reunited with Pat Shermer? I mean, I, I don't know what the relationship is like with that because I know Shermer was a big, a big proponent of giving Odell Beckham that extension, but also wasn't really pounding the table to keep him once it became known that he was going to get traded. Is that a possibility? Because I know there's a relationship between Beckham and, and Vaughn Miller that th they both would like to play together. And Odell Beckham has talked about it. Is that a possibility in terms of an off the radar type of trade that Elway could make? I'm not going to say it's not uh, again. I think it's foolish to be like, that's never going to happen. And then it happens. Like I would just say it's unlikely because of behavior. Like, is he going to behave? You thought Emmanuel Sanders ruffled some feathers, you know, and it's all about Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio is old school. Um, I will tell a story that I don't think I've even told on the Denver airwaves because um, it's a little sensitive, but I, I feel there's been enough time and they get along fine. Uh, Vic Fangio took Von Miller's Bluetooth speaker out of his locker during the year. And that was something you don't mess with a man's locker, right? But that was something that, Ray Jackson, others on that team had to go to coach and be like, no, 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 let, let him have fun. That's their, you know, part of the facility. Um, and that's, that's Vaughn, right? Again, Vaughn and Vic get on, along great. Vaughn and Emmanuel had some problems. There's, that's not speaking out of turn there. Like Vic Fangio is an old school guy. And you don't see Odell Beckham Jr. mixing in with old school Vic Fangio. Now, maybe Shermer could stand on the table, but I'm sick and tired of offensive coordinators standing <laughs> on the tables for guys. And even, God bless Bill Cole, our best coach ever, whatever you want to say, but he stood on the table for Adam Gotsis, and okay. he's going to be his J.J. Watt. I remember I had to fight so much of that. I'm like, I've watched this kid since I was watching Jerry Atachu, by the way, when he came out of, uh, of uh, Jatek, and I was like, God, just can't play, man. Yet everyone's like, but Bill Kolar loves him, and he's going to be the next J.J. Watt, and he's nothing. Like, stop with the assistant coaches standing on the table. Please, scout, scout, coaches, coach, have that separation of church and state. I just don't think with old school Vic Fangio, that would mix well with Odell Beckham Jr. Could be wrong. Anything can happen. But what's likely and what's possible? Is it likely? Yes. Everything's likely. But is it possible? Or, excuse me, everything's possible, but is it likely? No, it's not likely. I like how you had to reverse that. That's okay. It happens to the best of us, and, and also it happens to me sometimes. So I guess sort of after all is said and done, we've looked at you know, you know trades, we've looked at free agency, we've looked at, at draft, we've looked at all of those things. And, and you you talked about Colin Cowherd, who uh, admittedly I'm not a big fan of his, but you say he's a nice guy, I'll take your word for it. Where do you see the Broncos? And I know it's early. This is kind of like one of those – uh, way too early to sort of actually make any comments because they haven't had the draft. They haven't finished free agency. Where, where do you see them falling in uh, in the NFL in, in 2020? Do you, do you think the upswing that we noticed or that we experienced with Drew Locke coming in at the end of 2019 continues? Do they plateau do, or do you think they continue that upswing? I believe there was a time and I may be way off here because my memory gets foggy, but 
I believe there was a time when a young Steve McNair, you know, had a little bit of a run at the end of the year and he carried that into the next season. I know it's happened with individual players, but I believe it happened with the Oilers slash Titans uh, at the time. That can happen and should happen with Drew Locke. Uh, and with Pat Shermer crafting an offense custom fit for Drew Locke, who is the real deal, who has the support of the franchise and who can make something out of nothing. So where are they at? I'd say 10 wins. That's a nice, you know, I haven't seen the schedule. Draft's not here. Free agency's not here. But 10 wins, that's the expectations because I'm sick and tired. And I know I'm going to say wild card because you kind of have to. The Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions for whatever, better or worse, or I hate the Chiefs or whatever. Like, okay, fine. But the honest reality, again, I like to deal in reality. The honest reality is the Broncos are playing for second best of the division. Now that sucks, and that shouldn't be where they're at. The pride and tradition of the Denver Broncos is to compete for championships. But you got to make steps to get there. And that next step is going from, you know, being out of the playoff picture to now making the playoff picture as a wild card. Something that I talked to John Elway about at the combine. I said, is this is your, is this your most important off season? Cause you have a bunch of money and you have a bunch of picks and you're close. And Elway agreed with me and we shared a moment. But the point is like, I'm putting the number at 10, 10 wins. Let's make it happen. And then get this team back in the postseason because that's where this team belongs. That's where their pride, their history, their tradition is. Not this whole, we're excited, we made the wild card. That's not the Broncos' way. They're getting back to the Broncos' way slowly but surely. I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier about how you're sick of coaches pounding the table for guys. Is that why they didn't go to the combine? So that they can't get hooked into players and start pounding the table and start getting in Fangio's and Elway's ear or Matt Russell's ear about, I want this guy. We're going to need to get this guy. Is Was that part of the reason they didn't end up going to Indianapolis? Well, last year, Rich Scangarello just had like a chance walking by Brett Rippon meeting. And, you know, Brett Rippon's fine. Okay. College football fans are so sensitive. It's like, I don't know what it is, but spending all that money at a university, because anytime, you know, like Brett Rippon's, yeah, he's okay. He's a guy. And then every Boise State fan under the sun's like, he's the greatest ever. You don't know anything. Okay, fine. That's, you're totally right. Brett Rippon's going to the Hall of Fame. But it was just that chance encounter where it's like, now all of a sudden they're picking up Brett Rippon. Who's, who's fine? Like as a camp arm developmental guy, I got no problems with Brett Rippon. But again, it's just one of those things like, could they have gone in a different direction? Maybe. I like Brett Rippon at the Shrine game last year when I saw him down there. But like, it's several reasons, and it's all positive reasons. And by the way, with everyone pissed off at the schedule, more and more teams of the teams that I talk to are like, the Broncos did the right thing because there's so just so much downtime and, and just guys aren't doing anything. So coaches, the most important thing is film. Film, film, film. So go watch the film. And if you really like a guy, well, we'll bring him out anyway. And you can have a voice. John Elway lets his guys have a voice. Sometimes, I think, to his detriment when Mike McCoy or Bill Kolar or these guys are going on and on about these players because they met him and they get about. I understand they're going to have to work with these guys and assistant coaches around them all day. But at the end of the day, you got people that buy the groceries. You got people that do the cooking. Cooks cook. Buyers buy. GMs pick the players. Coaches got to coach them up. And, and, you know, being on the same page with Vic Fangio helps. Um, but I don't mind the coaches not being there for several reasons. The other reason is footprint. Indy is about getting drunk and everyone hanging out. Okay. I'd be very honest. We're all adults. Let's just be honest. There's the drills. My my niece is going to be so mad about this, but go ahead. (laughs) There's the drills and the interviews during the day. Then everyone goes out and gets polluted at steakhouse and starts rambling and running their mouth. I know people now. I don't. I don't do this personally, obviously, because it's very slimy. But also, I don't talk regularly with agents, and I know the people that do. And well, and you do too. But uh, it's really easy to pick out the people that talk to the agents because an agent will tell you the sky is purple if it does their client good. So when you have the insiders, I'm using air quotes. I talk to sources. Your source is an agent that is pay is going to get paid by this player that you're propping up. So there's so many lies that go on, usually after the combine, but it's kind of infiltrated a little bit earlier. But I know people that go to Indy don't even get credentialed and just go to eavesdrop at Prime 47 
or at high velocity or at whatever sports bar or wherever there's people hanging out. I know people that do that. And then they run with the information to call themselves insiders. I talk to GMs. I talk to coaches. I talk to scouts. Yes, I'm friendly with agents, but I've had agents that come up to me and thank me for liking their client. I'm like, you don't have to thank me. I just like your guy. Or I don't. I have agents and I'll name names because I really like him. I like Mike McCartney. I like him. I like him. members of his family. Like I like Mike. Mike hates me. Do you know why? Because I couldn't stand Zach Dysart. Not at all. I told her, ah, Zach Dysart can't play dead in Western, all this. And McCartney hates me. Was telling some of my buddies like, oh, that guy doesn't know anything. And I, I, I say it on the air. That's why I'm not afraid to say it here. Like Mike McCartney, who's Brandon Stokely's agent, by the way. Like I've, I've had some cold pops with him at the senior bowl. Like, dude, I really like you. I just didn't like one of your clients. It doesn't mean I'm the worst guy ever. And by the way, where's Zach Dysart now? Like coaching a high school or something? Like, come on. Like, I got to do my job. You got to do your job. But Indy is such a, in a way, kind of a cesspool. It's like the Moss Eisley of the pre-draft stop. Ooh, uh, Star, Star Wars, Wars reference. Thing. Nice. Deep Star Wars reference yeah. there. But And here's the thing. If you're not sending all your coaches, and I'm not saying like, good thing the Broncos didn't send those lushes. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you have a smaller footprint because you can be out and about enjoying a good dinner, enjoying a glass of wine, and you just happen to say something about some free agent that you like or some free agent you don't like, and there's Holly Pocket or whoever we're going to call these people that like sit there and just eavesdrop and eavesdrop and then say they have sources on Twitter. Your source isn't eavesdropping, dude. It's disgusting to me, but with the combine getting bigger and everything in the draft getting bigger, this is what we have to deal with. It's kind of the trade-off, right? That we get people who's like, I got Twitter followers and I've got sources. No, you don't. You're an ass. Okay. Bottom line. And people fans specifically have to know how to determine is this agent fed information and a lot of it out there, mostly from people who try to break them hand, you know, patting themselves on the back. That's the information you have to be careful of because it's not real. So the Broncos sending a smaller staff, smaller footprint, less of a chance that any sort of information. And here's the most interesting thing. I was talking to my man, James Palmer, about this from NFL Network. The bad teams, I I can tell you everything about a bad team. I can tell you everything. I can tell you all the dirt. Now, some of this, most of this, not on the air. But I can tell you stories after stories behind the scenes, craziness, dude, like craziness behind the scenes of bad teams, good teams, tight lips. Don't get hardly any information. I've been doing this a long time. Patriots guys just started talking to me like four years ago and I've been doing this for 15 years. So I went a decade plus being like, hi, you know, around Patriots guys. They don't, they don't talk. So good teams like the Broncos, and keep it tight. And one thing you noticed, what did we all notice this year at the Combine? It wasn't a lot of inside information. We didn't hear about this Boye deal. Now, I had suggested it on the airwaves once, what was it, John Oser from the Jaguars website suggested, because he was the first, by the way. Everyone's Marco Polo in this business. I think it's so funny. Even again, Cliss and Nikki, they're my friends. But when it's like, first by Nikki Jabala, first by Mike Cliss, oh, who gives a crap? Nobody cares. Just have the right information. Okay. But when John Oster from the Jaguars website said, hey, we can get rid of Boye, I wrote an article for 104thefan.com, another plug, uh, that, hey, you know, if you're not going to get Byron Jones and not going to get CHJ, then AJ Boye's, a, um, you know, there's a potential there. And then they did it. But we didn't hear about this at the Combine. We'd had zero rumblings about this at the Combine. Why? Because Denver had their lips sealed. And I think that's the best way to do it. You know, As I told Trevor Sikama. Loose lips sink ships, That's and I think, that was, I think that was the biggest reason that they didn't send anybody. You gotta, lo- you gotta love those old World War II propaganda posters. Loose lips sink ships. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> All right, so one more for you, and and I think it's just a, it's probably a quick one, but I'd be curious what you think about it. Who is the first free agent that they end up signing? If you had to put your money on one guy that that they're gonna target, and he's the first guy they're gonna bring in, who who do you think it's gonna be? Wow. I mean, it would have been Byron Jones 24 hours ago. Sure. Uh, it's not that anymore. Now, can it be their own free agent? Because that I got an easy answer for that one. I I, I, I don't know, Ian. What do let's you go, think? Let's go with both. You can do in-house yeah, free agent. In-house and, then... and outhouse. Out, out, out. Okay. Well, and not, not, not just the, not the outhouse, but, you know, out outside of the franchise. 
Right, and and not outside of Justin Simmons. We all know Justin right. Simmons. He's getting tagged. Let's move on. Right, right, and that's 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 fine. That's more than fine. I think there's a really good chance Derek Wolf sticks around. I think there's a really really good chance Shelby Harris. Let's say may not have the greatest relationships uh, with some people in the building. He was mad when he was playing nose tackle and that, you know, he kind of let his feelings be known about that. Again, not speaking out of turn. I'm just telling you guys what happened. Uh, and Shelby's going to get paid. Colts really like him. Um, they'll be among those teams that are interested. CHJ, unfortunately, I think is gone. Eagles have a lot of interest there. Uh, Eagles also are interested in Byron Jones, but they're going to kind of play each other, play those two against each other from what I've been told. Uh, so Derek Wolf could stay for a discounted price. Not going to make nine, but he could make six, something like that. One year, six million. Bring him back. The games that he plays with Vaughn are very, very well worth that price tag of staying. He wants to stay. I do know, or I would speculate. The this is your Lassie Bark, by the way. I don't know if I've told you guys about oh, yeah. Lassie Bark. I, oh, yeah. I talk about him on my time. show. Bring him yeah. up all the time. What's that? What's that? T- t- Timmy's trapping a well. <laughs> I will say in a Lassie Bark way, the Cardinals. And Vance Joseph would have a lot of interest in Derek Wolf if he was out there. But anyway, uh, outside free agents, let me just say Jordan Phillips, right? I could say Prince of Mukamara, something like that. But yeah, I'll probably have to ruminate on that one a little bit more and meditate on it because of this now cornerback situation that's been solved somewhat. They'll get another corner. Maybe that's Mukamara. They'll get defensive line talent. I'll just say Jordan Phillips because I like him. Okay. Oh, and you, you didn't mention Joe Thune. Yeah, it was, so, that's I'm, your guy. That I'm a, sad. That face. was a disappointment for. So, so we're we're surly Cecil. We're irritated Ian, and I, I don't have one. Good luck. <laughs> You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MileHighReport.com. And as always, go Broncos. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.